Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Good morning, Freedom Life. I want to read with you a scripture here. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name, Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with man and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him. As he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Anybody's hip is hurting this morning? And I'm not talking about because your age. I'm talking spiritually. Anybody ever wrestled with God? This, This story really spoke to me in the current season that I'm in. What if I told you that my hip is hurting right now because I'm currently in a wrestling match with God? What if I told you that I'm struggling with some things? The enemy is trying to take out God's people because he knows that if he can take out God's people, what hope does that leave the world? As he takes us out, the people who believe in God and people look at our lives who don't believe in God then what hope do they have? So if he takes out God's people, then he knows that he'll ultimately be taken out more than just God's people. You follow what I'm saying? He's trying to take us out. And can I be honest with you this morning? I am coming out of one of the darkest moments and darkest seasons of my life. Anybody who has ever had any type of relationship with me knows that all I ever desired was to be a father. I couldn't wait to grow up, get married, and have kids. I grew up without a father, so I was going to be the father that my dad never was. However, Nisa and I, we've been trying for quite some time now. We ended up having to go and get medical help and advice, in which we've been doing for about, what, four or five years now? So you can imagine the journey that we've been on, right? And we've received many no's through our journey. And as of this past December, we get a phone call from the doctors who's given us our final no. There was no more help for us. That was it. Years of doing IVF treatments 
traveling to the doctor's appointments down in Philly and Arizona, all this stuff. So much money that we had into this, and after all of this, we get a no. I don't understand, and can I be honest with you, we, we were spent. Not just financially, but personally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, you name it. We were going through it. And today's message that God spoke to me is just a simple one this morning. I didn't really do a word study or get real deep like I normally do. But this one here has a lot of revelation to me because I'm writing what I'm in right now. I'm not just preaching another sermon. I'm speaking from a place this morning. And I hope you can hear my heart in it and allow me to be vulnerable with you this morning. That This is hard. A place of wrestling with God. Just like Jacob. This isn't even my main text this morning, but it's relevant to where I want to go with this. And one of the few things that I want you to take from this scene is that Jacob was alone. And there was a wrestling match going on between Jacob and God. And the picture that I want to paint for you here is, it's usually when you're alone, when you feel more vulnerable and freely to, tell, to really tell God how you really feel. It's usually when you're alone when you wrestle it out with him. It's usually when you're alone when, when, when you pour out your soul and you pray to him. It's usually when you're alone when you cry out to him. It's usually when you're alone. So when I was going through my stuff, which I still am, it's when I was alone with God. You didn't see me being real with him. You didn't see me crying out to him. You didn't see me coming up to the altar and just start shouting to God, this ain't what I signed up for. We've been serving you. We've been diligent. How could you, God? Why can't you give us a baby? Why would you allow this to happen? I'm so mad at you right now, God. You say you're a good God. Man, I even preach to people that you're a good God. Why aren't you coming through for us? You're making me look real foolish right now. Why aren't you coming through? Where are you? I'm just so beep, 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 right? And as you can imagine, I've had some other chosen words that I can't say from up here, or as, or, or as what Todd would say, those are sentence enhancers, PC. <laughs> right? But I'm telling you, you didn't see all that. That's when I'm alone with God. Has anybody ever been there for real? Amen. If I'm being honest, let's not hold anything back. God knows. We've all wrestled with God a time or two in our lives. So much so that I was, I was at the place where I'm not bouncing back from this. I was, it was a very depressing time for me. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't understand what was happening. And I still don't understand why some things happen. But you better believe that my raw self went to him. Amen? And not only was I wrestling with him, but just like Jacob, I struggled too. Anybody else not only wrestle with God, but struggle with God? Question some things? Question some motives? Question what he's doing? Come on, should I go on? And isn't it hard for us to admit, though? Because somewhere in the midst of our walk, in the midst of our faith, we've come to this belief that it's not okay for us to struggle with God. And so we put on this facade like, nope, I'm a true believer. I believe 100%. 
And if that was the case, then why do you take Tylenol for a headache? Why do you have fear? But that's where I think we get it twisted. Listen, I have a hard time believing somebody who doesn't walk with a limp. And can I tell you, I think it's better for people to know that you also have struggles just like them and to see victory in your struggle. Come on, right? Than it is for them to not see your struggle and only see you fall off and quit. Because oftentimes, people don't see a struggle. They only see you quit. Right? You guys didn't see me struggle. But what would have happened if I would have fell off and quit? That's all you would have saw. But I get it because I even struggle with this. I'm a Christian. I don't want people to know that I struggle. And I had a conversation with Nisa about this as we were going through it, asking her, like, I just don't know. Like, is it okay to doubt? And her response was, it depends which direction your doubt is taking you. Are you drawing closer to God or is it causing you to push away? And I love that because your faith is not the absent of doubt. And because you doubt some things, it does not make you less of a Christian, right? Like Jay, for instance, right? I've been in ministry longer than what Jay has been, even though he's a lot older than me. I just had to throw that out there because it was just his birthday a few weeks ago, right? What are you, 57 now? But I've been in ministry longer than him, but that doesn't mean that I'm more Christian than him. And in fact, Jay just graduated from seminary school, right? Come on. At 57. It's not too late to go back to school, <laughs> right? <clears throat> but I don't have a degree in seminary or Bible or theology or anything like that. But that doesn't mean that Jay is more Christian than me. Right? And if we're talking about sports this morning, it's game day, so I'm going to keep things relevant. I still want Jay on my team. There's positions that he would do better at than me. His gifts and his talents may be different than mine, but I need him on my team because just like a team, T-E-A-M, Together, everybody achieves more. And because you doubt some things does not make you less of a Christian. Let me give you another example. Think about Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, when the angel visited Mary to let her know that she was about to be with child, and not just any child, right? It says that the angel came and visited Mary, Luke chapter 1. It says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him who? Jesus, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. What was Mary's response? Was she like, oh, okay, cool. Bet, Mr. Angel, sir. I don't doubt it one bet. I believe you 100%. No, what does she say? She says, how? How would this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin, that doesn't make any sense. 
I don't understand. Like, come on, anybody ever been in a situation where it, you don't understand? Mary's like, I don't understand, you know, because usually some things have got to happen before you know something happens. You know, the birds and the bees, right? <laughs> Mr. Angel, you know, maybe you should go back up and talk to, your, talk, talk to dad and tell him to give you the talk because I don't think you understand how this whole thing works, Right? And so when trials happen and things are a mess and, and, and they don't make sense to you, you're going to doubt. You're going to ask questions. I don't understand. I thought you were a good God, but this doesn't feel good right now. Where are you? People assume that faith is the absence of doubt. Faith is not the absence of doubt. You're going to doubt, but just like what Nisa said, you got to be careful. Because it depends on which direction your doubt is taking you. But because I choose that when times were rough to push in rather than to retreat, do I get tripped up sometimes when I'm on the court of life? Absolutely. The enemy comes in and trips me, trips me up, scores a couple baskets, but I'm staying in the game. I know what the enemy said, but I know what my promise is. Come on. Right? I'm here to tell you that the closer you get, the more questions you're going to have. Because this book right here, it's a crazy book. And, and if you truly read it, you're going to have questions. The closer you get, the more questions you're going to have. And so the questions are only an indication that you're getting closer. You're growing. And so my doubt is the evidence of my growth. I have my faith. I do. But I have my doubts. But my doubts is what keeps me growing. It's what keeps me pushing in. Amen? And as, as, as I was in the middle of my storm, there was this song that I just kept playing on repeat that I feel like I just needed, that, that I feel like it just kind of gave me the strength to stay in the game. And I don't know what some of your situations are right now, but maybe some of you guys can relate. And maybe this song will encourage you. Watch my family go through it this week To see them hurting only made me feel weak See, I was searching for the right words to speak But in the midst, man, I was facing my own doubts and defeat That's when the Lord told me to jump to my feet Cause I had blessings that were right in my reach I had to usher in his presence of peace Almost forgot about the promises he promised he'd keep He's a rewarder, so continue to seek A God of order, a supporter to the one that is me I cried an ocean with every tear that fell off of my cheek His arms are open to the broken, it's in love when he greets I know the wicked try to scatter the sheep But God's forgiveness is the realest thing you ever go meet no, Even amongst the vultures and the leeches who leech It's an honor to give my life though for the gospel I preach Singing hallelujah in the middle of my
could you close your eyes and sleep through this? How could you lift your hands and sing to this? See, with everything I believe in this, and I know God won't leave me where the evil and deceitful is. They say, where does he get his strength from? How could he be so strong now? Like, where did he get his faith from? How could he still have hope after everything going on now? Any other man would have been gave up. He would have perished, would have died with all his hope fade up. Without my Jesus, man, I can't wake up straight up. I know you wonder why I stay prayed up. Hey, I trust when he tells me yes. I trust when he tells me no. I trust when he tells me stay. I trust when he tells me go. I lean out on my own understanding. Yes, I obey. If you learn to submit, then the path you walk will be straight. You were created on purpose and for purpose. This is where you must let your prayers turn into worship. You were created on purpose and for purpose. And this is where you must let your prayers turn into worship. Singing hallelujah in the middle of my storm. In the middle, in the middle of, of the storm, I see. See, where does he get his strength from? How can he be so? Strong, you make me strong, my Lord. I point up to my King. I point up to my King. I point up to my King. Cause you're the one who strengthens, the one who strengthens, the one who strengthens me. Another worship song I sing, another offering I bring. Cause you're the one who strengthens, the one who strengthens, the one who strengthens me. Singing hallelujah in the middle of my storm. In the middle, in the middle of, of the storm, I see. See, where does he get his strength from? How can he be so strong? You make me strong, my Lord. up to my king. watched my family go through it this week. To see them hurting only made me feel weak. I was searching for the right words to speak, but in the midst, man, I was facing my own doubts and defeats. But that's when the Lord told me to jump to my feet because I had blessings that were right in my reach. I had to usher in his presence of peace. I almost forgot about the promises he promised he'd keep. I think it's interesting here that when Jacob was wrestling with God, it says, let me go for it is daybreak, meaning it's about to be light, meaning when Jacob was wrestling, when he was struggling with God, it was dark time. I know when you're in the middle of your storm and it's dark and you can't see and everything around his promise is saying no, it's easy to forget and to not believe his promise, but I want to encourage you this morning to don't doubt in the darkness what God told you in the light. God put this message on my heart since before we had our final no. And so when God told me to continue this message, you can imagine how hard it was for me because I'm still going through it. I'm still hurting. I'm still in pain. I'm still wrestling. I still don't understand. I still have waves of emotions that would just come off and hit me, and I still grieve. But it's, it's a disappointment. But how many of you know that a disappointment is his appointment? And I know that's cliche and it's hard to believe because it doesn't feel like it. Trust me, I know. But when I was at the end and I was bottoming out, I believe that listening to this song was his appointment to me. And I know there's a lot of division, 
God told me that this was going to be a year of unity this year. And I know there's a lot of division these last few years, a lot of hurts, a lot of pains, pains, a lot of losses, but you're not out of the playoffs yet. It's time to get back up, get back into the game, and realize that we're on the same team here. And in a game, when you're down by 10, you're down by 20, you need to know that someone is in the same game with you. You're not alone. I'm in the game with you. And although it may, it may look different because your storms and your situations may be different than mine, but just like in football, a defensive back will have a different situation or obstacle than a running back would. But ultimately, they're in the same game. We are in the same game. And we're on the same team, y'all. So, so this is just an encouraging word this morning, that as long as you got breath in your lungs, the game is not over. Stay in the game until the whistle blows. And so I wanted to open up with this scene between God and Jacob because it's something that I feel like we all can relate to, especially in this season, right? It's a wrestling match between God and Jacob, and I love sports. Anybody who knows me knows that I love sports because just like this scene between God and Jacob, sports oftentimes for me, the enjoyment is not the sport itself, but I think sports oftentimes imitates life. Take coaching, for instance. Every team now has what is called a coach, right? But that wasn't always the case because at one time, a coach was really just someone that was there to motivate you. They'd be like, come on, you can do it. Shoot the ball. You got this, right? However, that is now transformed. And I forget who it was who did it, but there was one guy who started bringing what they call a clipboard to the games. And someone asked him, you know, what, what is the meaning of this clipboard, right? Well, on the clipboard, he started writing down every possible situation that could occur during the game. And, he would, and then he would write every possible solutions for that. And so that's what revolutionized coaching to be an important game. Because originally, it was just that guy, right? You can do it. You got this. But that can only go so far. Nowadays, when a coach calls timeout, it's official that the coach pulls out a clipboard and draws up a play, right? And ultimately, that play holds a lot of weight to it because ultimately, ultimately the next day, that coach could be scrutinized. Did they make the right play? Should they have ran the ball from the one-yard line in the Super Bowl? Like the Seattle Seahawks, right? And so what the clipboard symbolizes is that you have so many situations, so many options, so many different problems... And then you have preparations for those options. You have the solutions. However, in sports, there is one thing that occurs that nobody has an option for. And that thing is called the injury. And when an injury occurs, guess what? There's no playbook for that. And I want you to know that in life, just like in sports, there's a lot of things that we could prepare for on our clipboard of life a lot of solutions, but how do you know, but how do you prepare for the things that will happen that no one expects will happen? And that's just kind of crazy to think about, right? The things that will happen that nobody expects will happen. If you play sports, 
you know injuries are coming. But not one person watching the game is thinking when it's going to come, if it's going to come, how it's going to come. But in life, let me tell you something. You will have what I would call the injuries of life. I just told you mine. You may lose a loved one. Come on, death will come to somebody that you love. We know that. It's inevitable, but we don't expect it, so you don't prepare for it. There's no playbook for it. You don't know the time or the hour that it's going to happen. Maybe you get sick. Maybe you lose your job. Relationship issues. Come on, am I speaking to anybody yet? We just got done talking about Jacob who had a sports injury. You got your clipboard, you make a plan, you have goals that you set up. It's the New Year's. Come on, we're, we're what, three weeks in? How many of you guys had a New Year's resolution and already given up on it? <laughs> right? Happens every year. But in the middle of life, here comes an injury. And when the injury occurs, it immediately does what? It sidelines you, it takes you out of the game. It clutters your thoughts. How am I going to pay my bills? It makes your future blurry. Someone is going to now take my spot. You have no idea what's going to happen from the point in which you've been hit. And some of us have been hit pretty hard this season, right? So much so that you're waiting and praying for the off season. <laughs> I got, let's just get this season over with. The crazy thing is that when injuries of life hit you, it reminds you that as much control as you think you have, you really can't control everything. And there are going to be moments that will rock your world. And to expect anything different is not wise. The other thing that an injury can do is it can make you or it can break you. Let me put it this way. I've worked and trained with many athletes from the high school level all the way to the professionals. And when an athlete is injured, it doesn't matter if they are in high school or the NFL. It's not so much the injury itself, but it's what it does to the mind. You ever wonder why some athletes recover and others don't from the same injury? Because the enemy gets into your head. When I was in high school and I was playing sports, we had the most craziest, rowdiest student section there was. We had students who would actually go out and do research on the opposing team's players just to dig up some dirt on them and then create chance during the game. Why? To get into their heads, to get into their minds and take them out of the game. And isn't that what the enemy does to us? He gets in your head to take you out. And when things occur in your life that you didn't plan for, oftentimes it's not the actual thing that occurred, but it's what, is, but it's what it does to your mind. And it can make you, in other words, it could build character, build strength, build tenacity. It could cause you to rise above stuff, or it could break you. It could take you under, man, and make you depressed. And when you're depressed, what you're doing is you're allowing everything negative that has happened or is happening to be the dominant voice in your mind. So it's not so much the injury, but it's what it does to your mind. You've failed one time, and now you're living in failure. You've identified with failure. Somebody hurts you, and so now you don't trust people no more. 
You're hurt, and now you're not living life. And let me tell you, when you watch the news, you go outside, you go on social media, there's a lot of things that can break your mind. In life, there's going to be trials. Jesus says that in John 16, 33. But if you don't quit, if you don't give up, if you don't throw in the towel, there's a reward at the end, Jesus says. And I've heard it said like this. I think it was Amy out of our life group on a Tuesday night. She she quoted a quote that she once heard, and she said, everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of you not giving up. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, about your reward in not giving up. James 1, 2, it says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who do what? Love him. I want to talk to you this morning about winning the crown of life. And I think Jesus gave a great example in this in the parables. In the book of Matthew chapter 13, this is my main text this morning. Jesus is talking to the crowd in parables. In case you didn't know, a parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. Basically, he takes a lesson and he breaks it down and makes it relevant to those people that he's talking to, right? And so Jesus, in this context here, in the first part of Matthew, gives, gives what is called the parable of the sower. And I, won't, and I won't read the whole first part, but I just want to paraphrase it real quick to show you something that's important. Jesus goes out, and he sits by the sea, and a large crowd gathers around him. I'm in verse 3 through 9, and he's talking about farming, right? And and he says, you know, there's a farmer who went out, and they scattered seed, right? And some fell by the path, and the birds ate it. Some fell on rocky ground, but that didn't have much soil. Some fell among thorns, and the weeds came up and choked them out. But then some fell on good soil and produced a crop, and that was it. He didn't really give too much detail, didn't go real deep or any of that, right? And and, and that was it, right? But what I find interesting here is at the end, he said, he who has ears, let him hear. Basically like, hmm, I want to see who's going to take this a little farther. But when he told the parable, nobody really understood what he was talking about. They looked at him and and they're like, what you talking about, Willis? Right? And the crowd just basically turned and walked away. And then somebody decided that while he was alone, once again, here's a scene of when someone was alone asking questions. And they came to him and they asked him, hey, you know, look, Jesus, I'm kind of wrestling with this right now. But what is the meaning of what you said? I just don't understand. Here's my first point. God desires relationship with us, right? And so he's only going to give you a taste so that you seek him for more. Questions cause you to grow. And I think that's why he doesn't give us the full picture because he knows that if he would give us the full picture, we wouldn't come back to him anymore because we wouldn't need him. But how many times do we just take the little picture or the unfinished picture of what he says And we tried to interpret it in our own understanding. No, no, no. God, I got this. Don't worry about it. I'll finish the painting for you. I know you've got a lot of work to do up there, a lot of sinners to save, right? I got this. I'll finish the painting for you. But it doesn't work like that, right? We oftentimes get it wrong, do we not? You will never understand what he's saying without him. 
You will never understand what he is saying without him. And if you want to understand, you've got to go talk to him. And that's exactly what they did. But we want everything right now, and so we don't want to wait on him to explain it. And we wonder why we keep failing. We wonder why we keep experiencing the same heartache, the same trials, the same disappointments. I said this before, that when you are out of his will and you try to do it on your own, you end up going in circles just like the Israelites. You keep going through the same motions of this everyday life. Listen, you are not called to just go through the motions. You are called to be the motion. Amen? We are to be in this world, but not of it. So we are the wave. And just like a wave, sometimes we need to get up, create a little disturbance, and then go back into the ocean. Matter of fact, it's game day. Let's do the wave. Let's do the wave. All right? Let's, let's do the wave. We need to get up. Create a little disturbance, get the blood flowing, and then we need to get back into the word. Y'all ready? Y'all, it's game day. You guys know what t- you guys know what the wave is, right? Let's start over here. You guys ready? Here we go. It's the wave. Right? Get up, create a little disturbance, get the blood. Fl- ready? One, two, three. Oh my goodness! Hey, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. Oh, come back again. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> but seriously, we are the wave, right? And just like a wave, we need to get up, create a little disturbance, right? And then go back into the word and get built back up, right? <clears throat> A wave comes in, and as it gets closer to the shoreline, it gets more powerful as it crashes into the shoreline, and it pulls whatever is at the shoreline back into the ocean. You ever realize that? Isn't that just like Jesus? He went into towns, created a disturbance, by pulling people out of bondage or whatever it is that they were in, and then he just casually slips back out into the ocean like a wave, right? But he never stops becoming a wave. He goes back out into the wilderness to get built back up again. And isn't that what we just did? Come on, we need to get up, create a little disturbance, and then get back into the word to get built back up again. Amen? And so when they came to him, Jesus began to go deeper and explain it. And I just thought that this was so incredible that when you seek him, he'll go deeper. He'll reveal things to you. He'll show things to you. And that's what he did with those who stuck around and asked questions, right? And so then he started to break down the parable of the sower. And I love this because this is about your life and making it to the end, But to understand it, we need to jump ahead real quick to verse 37. It'll be up on the screens. Matthew 13, verse 37, it says, The one who sows the good seed is the one, is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the sons of the kingdom. 
And so as we're going through it this morning, you got to know that the sower is Jesus. The field or ground in which the seed is being sown is the world, and the seed is us. And so he starts to break this thing down to those, to those who stuck around and, and, and wanted to know more. And so this is the first set of seed, right? Seed that was sown into the path. He said in verse 18, he said, listen now to what the parable of the sower means. Basically letting them know, hey, class, we're about to go back to school. When anyone hears this message about the kingdom and does not understand it, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart, and this is the seed that was sown along the path. In sports, this is what we would call a bandwagon. (laughs) Someone who doesn't really understand the sport or why they like a team, they're just jumping from team to team to team depending on who's winning. And I want to stop right here and tell you that ignorance is expensive. You think a college degree costs a lot? Try being a dummy. Oh, I mean, try, try being not smart, right? You will pay for what you don't know. You will pay for what you don't know financially. Ask Fetterman's Financial. You will pay for what you don't know emotionally. Ask any counselor. You will pay for what you don't know logically. Ask any police officer. You will pay for what you don't know. It is not what you know that is killing you oftentimes, but it's what you don't know. And that's why the Bible says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. And the Bible says here that Jesus is saying that the first set of seed that was sown, it fell among people who received the word, but they never understood it. This is like the people that he first told the parable to, right? In the beginning, he told the crowd, so they received the word because they heard it from Jesus, but they didn't fully understand it, and then they just turned and walked away. And it was only those who had a deeper yearning to understand what he was really trying to say who really stuck around and really got what he was trying to say. And this tells me that there are people today that come in life who get with God in a crowd, like a church setting, and they hear the gospel message from the pastor, but they never go any further from just hearing what the preacher has said. And this takes me back to the times before Martin Luther, because people couldn't read or understand the word for themselves. They had to take what the Pharisees were saying, and that's why it was so easy for the Pharisees to trick them. But here we are today with the Bible that is interpreted for all of us to read and begin to understand. But because we don't read and we don't have a relationship with God, then any preacher, any YouTuber, any TikToker can tell you anything and you'll fall for it every single time. Because there is no definite truth. It's just whatever the person is saying that you like at the time. And you're going to have to get to a place where you crack the Bible open and begin to study God's word if you're going to endure the second round. If you're going to make it to the fifth round, look, don't even, don't even look at the third round if by the first round you are failing to understand the fight in which you are in. They are paying for what they never took time to understand. And many people don't even make it past first base in their walk-on faith. 
They just got the ball thrown at them four times out of their box, and so they got a walk-on base. Didn't have to do anything. They just showed up. And they never go any further because they just want an emotional experience. Can I tell you, it is good to have an emotional experience, but what is going to keep you is what you know to be true of God. I said this before, church is not just so that you can go home and say, I feel blessed. Because in today's world, by 6 o'clock, there'll be somebody unblessing you. As a matter of fact, they're probably texting you right now. God is not a feeling. God is a real being who wants a real relationship, but that's just many people's Christianity today. I feel like, right? And can I tell you that, that when people say, don't judge me, I, I get it, but that's just their way of being defensive, thinking that they're, gonna, that, 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 that they're playing defense and going to win the defensive player of the, of the year uh, award. That's not defense. If I'm being honest, that's you flopping, right? Because that's a way of people deflecting personal responsibilities, and when you have a relationship, it is wise for you to understand the person in, that you are in relationship with. Ask any married couple. And people have the wrong concept of God because they never took time to understand him. But as I begin to study him more, which I still continue to study, because don't you ever think that you get to a place that you know it all. But, I, but I've learned that God, when I begin to read more of the Bible, he doesn't exist for me. But I exist for, come on. And when you can grasp that, I promise you, it's going to change your life. And so the number one reason why people don't endure in their Christian faith is because their understanding does not go beyond just a religious experience. They don't go into relationship. Amen? And then the next set of seed, the seed that was sown on rocky ground. Then the Bible reads on and listen to what he says. It says in Matthew 13, 20, it says, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at, and at once receives it with joy. Hallelujah. Come on. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, because of the what? Because of the word. They quickly fall away, just as quickly as they arrived. The enemy, look, whatever the world is doing, whatever the culture is doing, they're doing. But you got to know that the enemy's ultimate job is to squeeze anything you know about God out of you. Think about it. How do you get Eve? How do you get Eve? He went up to Eve, and the first question that he asked her, read it in Genesis, he said, did God say... You see the trick in the question? I want to see what you know about what he says. Did God say? See why it's important to know and understand what he says? And then when she said what he said, the next move was to go against what God said. If you do show that you know what he says, the next move is to uproot what he says. They had no root. <clears throat> And so when she says, God said, I should not eat from the tree, he said, no, God lied. The day that you eat of it, you're going to be like God. 
And the enemy would love nothing more than to take the word that God has given you and make you not believe it. Listen, God promised me that I'm going to be a father. And yeah, I know what it looks like. I know what the doctor said. But my God told me something different. And I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't understand it right now. But one thing that I do know is that I'm called to be a father. And right now, the enemy is trying to uproot what God told me. Did God really say, yes, devil, God told me I'm going to be a father. I just spit. <laughs> That's because I'm mad. <laughs> and so I'm going to be like a Jacob. I'm going to do as Jacob did. Y'all remember? When he was wrestling with God and God said, let me go, you remember what Jacob said? He said, no, I will not let you go unless you bless me. God, you gave me a promise, and I'm not leaving until you give it to me. See, repeating it back to him is not to remind him. He knows what he promised you, but saying it back to him is for you. Sometimes you have to remind yourself to hold on. And sometimes repeating it back is to remind the devil that he's the liar. I have this promise, and yeah, I haven't seen it come through yet, but I'm holding on. Amen? Isn't that what's happening today? You came into this thing believing. You had faith. You know that you see everything going on in the world, and maybe something is happening in your life. Maybe a loved one passed away. You lost your job. You lost some friends. Family gatherings just aren't the same anymore. I don't know what your situation is, but it's making you question some things. Question your belief. Question your faith. You came into this thing receiving it with joy. Then some things happened, and now you're just like, oh, I just don't know. So what he says here in this verse is that they had no fruit. Watch this. During storms, whenever the winds are blowing really hard and you think some trees are going to fall, they never really do. You know why? Because of the roots, especially palm trees. You ever see a palm tree during, the, during a hurricane? Palm trees, they'd be on some other level, right? They're going to bend. They're going to come all the way down and give you a dab. Palm trees would come down and give you a little fist bump, like boom. And then they come back up, and they're standing back up strong. What is it about these trees? It's the roots, right? And there are simple instructions of God's word that will keep you in complex times. It's the roots. There are basics in the Bible that God has put into place that is our playbook for this game of life. It's a game script. And these are roots, like reading your Bible, like praying, like coming to church, like having relationship with godly people, getting plugged in in life groups. And when we forsake those things, guess what? We don't have any root. And so when trials come and, stores come and storms come, you don't have a brother to call. And the number one thing to do in a church is, well, let's call the pastor. And then the pastor alone got to shepherd everybody, and that's nearly impossible. Not that he doesn't want to, but he's human too. He's got a family and kids and sports to attend to. We're not perfect. We don't have all the answers. We make mistakes, like forgetting to put a sign-out sheet for chili during fall fallout. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but if you were connected next year, next year start making your chili now. 
But if you were connected and you had a prayer life and you had your own Bible study going on and you attended a life group and you had friends and you were involved, then when storms hit, that root is hard to bend. The simple instructions of God's word will keep you in complex times. But because the system that we live in today is so built to keep you busy on the outside that you never have time to look after the most important game that you will ever be in. Watch this. The next seed that was sown is among thorns. In verse number 22, he says, The seed fallen among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Let me tell you this. Before you get a crown of life, expect a crown of thorns. The worries of life and the deceitfulness. It's a warning. It's a warning. Not just the injuries that you have in life like we've been talking about, but also the deceitfulness that chasing this other life is going to fix your life. It's like living a double-minded life, right? Because we tend to think that the money solves all of our issues. And the one that has more money is more God. Look at that nice car that they got. God must really love them. He really blesses them. I guess he doesn't like me that much, right? And so what happens is that those who's got God's word, they still don't realize that God's word is not the absence of worries. You're going to have them. It's also not the absence of temptations of what the culture tells you is success. You're going to have them. And so because we want those things and don't get them, we believe that God is non-existent or he doesn't care about us. We've got to learn to say yes to what you believe in. But the problem is a lot of people don't really know what they believe in. And so when the worries come, they just start running. And I think of this like a quarterback. I'm going to give it up to Brady. I'm not a fan of him, but I got to give him credit. He's a great quarterback. Even at the age of 44, he's still doing his thing. But he's a great quarterback because he knows his role. When the quarterback says hike, he knows that the pressure is coming. And the pressure doesn't usually come straight ahead, right? You don't really see it. The pressure comes from around right? And guess what happens when you run? When you run, you're actually running into the pressure. And don't get me wrong, there are some phenomenal, talented quarterbacks in the league, but they will not last as long as Brady because they are running the ball and taking hits. They're not running backs, they're quarterbacks. They are great, but they won't last very long. That's why the quarterbacks who can't run, like Brady, are usually good because they don't have that other option to run. They know their role. And so you know what they do? They step into their pocket. And they step into their protection. And that extra two steps, that extra two seconds, is just what they need to get their wide receiver open, and then boom. 
But the problem is with most of us, instead of stepping into your belief system, every time something goes wrong, you start running and doing whatever people are telling you to do. And what you need to learn how to do is step into your belief system, step into your protection, stop stepping out of the pocket, right? Other times, we, we, we play like the quarterback who sees the worries coming, and then they quickly just get rid of it and end up throwing an interception. They turn it over. Listen, things will happen in your life. Injuries do occur. And if you think that it's any different for believers, and that's why you came into this, then you're about to be in for a big surprise. Because it's usually when you first come into this thing, when you get hit the hardest like a rookie. Welcome, rookie. Todd, am I right? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You say yes to this thing, and you will get hit. It's like an initiation. We often think that because I'm a Christian, God owes me. And he's supposed to get me out of my storms. And so you think it's all about you. It's not all about you. If you think you won't experience pain, trial, and tribulation, then you said yes for the wrong reason. God doesn't play favorites. And I know we've all had that coach who played his favorite players. That's not God. Or maybe you weren't getting playing time, and so you tried to manipulate the coach by saying, hey, you're only playing your favorites just so that he would put you in. Listen, you can't manipulate God. Faith is not getting God to do what your will is. Faith is God getting you to see his will and trusting him. And sometimes, church, it's not always going to be a bed of roses to trust God. That's why many Christians fall to the wayside because when tragedy hits, they thought God was supposed to do everything they say and make life sweet again. The believers lose people in their lives. Can I tell you, the believers do lose people in our lives. People die in our lives. People walk out on us. People talk about us. People dog us. We get fired. We get mistreated at a job. Family members pass away. We cry. We go through stuff. But don't get me wrong. There are benefits to being a Christian, but you may or may not see them here. And that's why it's so hard for us to follow through in the shots that we take. Because we don't listen to the coach. Because we think we don't need him. When in fact, the coach is the one that has the vision, who has the goal. And when he calls a play and you think, nah, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to take the last shot. Not knowing that Jesus already had the last shot. Then you're missing the celebration. Because you got a whole team who is in the same game as you are. But you're making it about you. We've got to get back to the place where Jesus is the goal. It's not that Jesus is the person that exists to bring me the goal. It's that Jesus is the goal. And do you know that Jesus is probably sitting on a lot of your benches right now? Like he's sitting on your bench just waiting, looking at the game of your life. And he's like, man, if they put me in, they could win. Some of you guys are benching Jesus. Jesus says in John 16 in this world you will have trouble. But he said, Take heart, I have come to overcome 
the world. Listen, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be going through something, I want the person who's, who's already gone through it on my team. So he says the worries, they come and they choke the word, making it unfruitful. And all this other stuff that I'm seeking him to do is just a byproduct of the relationship. But he must be the main thing. And I must get him involved. And when you put Jesus in, you don't chase happiness. You work from it. Sports should be fun and fruitful. Amen? And finally, the seed that was sown among good soil, verse, verse 23 but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and does what? Understands it. He's got roots and everything. This is the one who produces the crop yielding 160, 30 times that what was sown. This is the MVP. Because not only did they endure to the end and win the crown of life, his life not only produces good fruits in him, but he disciples and multiplies, and he starts to show other people how to get the crown of life too. Listen, people go to millionaires to find out how to become a millionaire. People should come to Christians to find out how to become a Christian. If nobody's coming to you you to find out, come on. Here's my last point. Enduring to, the, enduring to the end is not complete until you get to the end. How many times we think, is this ever going to stop? The answer is no. The answer is no. But most people are just inches away from getting a new set of downs. Your problems will change, but he stays the same. You will have problems, and they will change, but he stays the same. And I love that about sports because it tells me that my life is not a moment, that if I keep going, things can change. And what is true for sports is true for the little aspects of our lives, whether that would be for your parenting, your business, your ministry, your jobs, your careers. It's also true for our, what I like to think the Bible is saying to us in the book of James, the greatest fight that you will ever be in. The greatest battle that you will ever want to win. The Bible says that it is the person who is steadfast and perseveres under trial in the end. Notice he doesn't get the crown in the middle. He doesn't get the crown in the beginning. There's no participation trophies here. Come on. But if you can endure to the end, the Bible says that there's a crown of life waiting for you. That's why with fighters, before they get into a ring, they don't prepare for one round. They don't prepare for two. The good fighter prepares for all 12 rounds. The basketball player, he runs and he hits the gym in the offseason because they know I don't have to run for one minute. I have to run for four quarters for 80-something games and the amount of miles that I have to endure, if I can't endure, it won't matter unless I make it to the end. But I know sometimes life can hit us pretty hard that you're not ready to get back up and take another hit. I know that. Sometimes we just need to call a timeout. Sometimes maybe you just need a breather. Maybe you need to catch your breath. Sometimes we need a substitution. Well, I want to challenge you today to add a new player to your team. His name is Holy Spirit, the breath of God. 
Anybody ever heard of him? John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit a Comforter. In another version, it says that he's our advocate. He's our go-between. He's our helper. And so that when you're feeling tired and weak, that's your sub. That's your strength. That's your breath. You get to catch a breather. And when we understand and I see him the way that God wants me to see him, then my relationship with Holy Spirit can change. And not only will my relationship with him change, but as a result of my relationship with him changing, then everything about my life changes. Because then I understand that I don't have to go through life in these temptations, in these challenges, in these circumstances by myself. Some of you are in situations right now, sitting in this room right now, where you feel like you're all alone. You're in a room of what, maybe a hundred and some people, but you feel like you're the only one here, like you're all alone. But I've got news for you. You are not alone. There's a helper. And he's ready to advocate for you. And when he advocates for you, it's like, I got this. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to be your lawyer. I'm a, we're going to win this case. We're going to win this game of life. Because watch this. For those of you that play team sports, you can't be a ball hog. You can't just take all the shots and not pass the ball. Like Kobe used to do when he, when he, when he wore number eight. Y'all remember that? Or Jordan old Jordan when he came out of college but listen watch this when they started passing the ball they started winning championships right you see in first Peter it says to cast your cares onto him because he cares for you to cast means to pass he wants you to take all your anxiety, all your pressures, all your depression, all your hurts and pains that you've been through over the course of your, of your life and throw it onto him so he can slam dunk it. But what we've been doing is we've been ball hogging. Nope, I'm keeping this depression. Nope, I'm keeping this anger. Nope, I'm holding on to this addiction. Nope, I'm holding on to this hate that I have for my dad. Nope, I'm holding on to this hate that I have for the person who molested me or violated me and used me. Nope, I'm holding on to it. I'm hogging it all up. I'm holding on to this inadequacy. I'm holding on to the lies that Satan is telling me that I'm not pretty, that I'm not beautiful, that I'm not good enough. Nope, I'm holding on. I don't want anybody on my team. Because the last person that I opened up to, I thought they were on my team and they hurt me, so it's never going to happen again, and so I'm holding on. I don't care what you say, I don't care what you do, I'm holding on and I'm not letting go. The Holy Spirit, he's right here with you, and he's waiting, and he's just waiting for you to just let go. He's like, what's the ball? Pass me the ball. What's the ball? The ball is... Your, that represents your hurt. It represents your pain. It represents all the things that don't look like God. It represents all the things that you are holding on to that's keeping you from achieving the purpose and the plan that God has for you to achieve. And you're holding on to it. These are the things like hate, lust, addiction, depression, hurt, unforgiveness, cutting. And Holy Spirit knows that if you let it go, 
Freedom is instantaneous. But Satan knows it too. That's why he keeps telling you, nope, you got to hold on. God's a liar. Holy Spirit, let go. Satan, hold on. Holy Spirit, let go. I pray that today, throughout the course of this year, that you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and that you let go. You plus Jesus plus Holy Spirit equals your new team. The enemy is trying to take us out, but he knows that a lot of people are watching us, waiting for us to slip up, waiting for us to quit, because if we do, then what we're doing is we're giving them permission to quit. And so he doesn't need to mess with them. If he can get to you, then he knows that you're going to take people out with you without even knowing. And so he's trying to get you to hold on to the ball. But he knows that if you don't quit and you pass Holy Spirit the ball, people are going to look at your life from the outside and may think that you're crazy for not giving up. But when they go through their trials, and they will, they're going to remember you. And they're going to say, wow, Todd, man, Todd never gave up. After all he's been through, since he came into this thing. I'm encouraged. Pam, I can't imagine. And Katrina, what you guys were just going through when you had to adore all the things that you're going through right now. Wow. And you didn't give up. I'm encouraged. Terry, girl she's been going through it she's been going through it I don't know how she does it but Terry I'm encouraged thank you my wife Nisa if y'all knew what she had to go through not just with dealing with me Y'all pray for her. (laughs) But seriously, if y'all knew, I'm amazed. Thank you. My mom, all that she's been through, and here she is in church. Thank you. You guys all blow me away. All those who didn't throw in the towel when life got hard. I see you. I just want to say thank you because you don't know it. Terry, Todd, Pam, Katrina, Nisa, Mom, all you guys. You guys don't know it, but you played a big role in my wrestling match. I know it hasn't been easy, but you're still here. You're still coming to church. You're still getting plugged in after all that you're going through. I'm so proud and encouraged by you because by you not giving up, it's given me hope in my wrestling match. And maybe it's just my competitive spirit 
But I say, if they're not giving up, then neither am I. Yes, I go through waves of grieving and disappointments because weeping may endure for a night. That's a promise. That's a promise. But the second part of that promise is joy comes in the morning. I know that each and every single one of you have a story. And you're still here in church. Thank you. You're still getting plugged in. Thank you. You're giving me hope in my wrestling match. I want to encourage you this morning. What is your story? What brought you into this thing? And what's keeping you here? And don't let the enemy uproot that in your life. God has a crown of life waiting for the person who will endure to the end. Thank you, God, for what this word that you put in my heart, Lord. Thank you for giving me the strength to still push through and give this word as I believe that is an encouraging word for many people who may be going into, who may be, who, Maybe who, who hasn't entered into their season yet, but may be entering into their season soon. I just thank you that maybe this word will encourage them to keep holding on to the promise that you have given them. And to do as what Jacob did and say, hold on, I'm not letting go of you, God. I thank you for this word this morning that you have placed inside of me. Because even though you've given me this word before we have our final no, this word was a revelation to me and it's what kept me going in as well and, and, and believing in your promises, believing that, that you have a plan for my life and to not give up and to not throw in the towel. And I just want to encourage everybody here who is here this morning, who is plugging in here online, to also not give up and to not throw in the towel, to hold on. Your change is coming. Joy comes in the morning.